Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Lead Off. Jay Binkley with you with Kramer, the Kramer Dog. I had to miss him last Saturday. Good to see you, Kramer Dog. Good to see you too, Bink. Thank you. I was off uh, hitting some breweries, you know. Doing my deal. Hit some breweries, probably out the green as well. Need a time to decompose after the, uh, the you, Super Bowl. I had a big weekend. This is, this is the NFL Combine. Oh, yeah, I huge weekend. this weekend. Had to uh, squeeze things in. You see what the numbers are, Cream Dog? I remember with uh, I was on Sean, with Sean Levine yesterday on the drive. Um, filling in with him, Carrington comes back on Monday. He, and he asked me about the Combine, who's watching it. Like, I, I am curious who's watching it. The people like me? The people like you, Kramer, because you're, you're the type that would watch this. I'm definitely the type to watch this. I have found more people interested in this year's draft than I ever have. Seriously, I really have. Now, in the past, people haven't been. Like last year, I don't think people were near as serious about it. Once they traded Frank for Frank Clark and didn't have the first-round pick, it was it didn't matter. It didn't matter to Kansas City Chiefs fans because – when you have a first-round pick, people are really interested in that, and I think you lose interest in the second round, although the, the true draft Knicks, they really like it. And I think more people bought into the Chiefs football, the direction the Chiefs are going, and this is fun. Do you realize since they moved this draft, or excuse me, the combine, I keep calling it draft, combine to prime time, they doubled their viewership. That this, and some people say, well, it doesn't matter. People aren't going to watch it. In prime. Is that right? They're not going to watch it. And keep in mind, this is on NFL Network. I think it's FUBU TV. I've never done that online. With that, I have no idea. I've never used it. It's a free streaming service. I don't know. NFL.com, uh, you can usually watch stuff on there free on your phone. I have no idea. I've never used it. i never that. heard of FUBU TV. It, it's on there. It's part of the NFL Network showing it and they're streaming it on there. Heck, I need to watch that. Well, the, the streaming for the combine numbers were huge back when they started to stream it all day long. When they first started to stream it a couple years ago. But um, 119% overall increase from 2019. Oh, yeah. When you show an hour of it on ESPN on the first night, I, I would expect the numbers to go up. So everybody watches ESPN. I was watching on NFL Network. I know they do. They do yeah, I little, switched over after that. Doing a little bit of simulcast. 322,000 viewers. That's not going to blow you away. But... That's a lot. They peaked at 507,000 viewers from 9 to 9.15 Eastern, which would have been about 8 to 8.15. This is when when the big dogs are running. This is when Henry Ruggs was running. I I loved how they did it, and it's 
it was kind of like a fight for NFL fans to just enjoy it with, you know, with Henry Ruggs. Is he going to be able to beat John Ross 4-2-2? Now, keep in mind, as more and more states have legalized gambling, that it becomes more imperative with the over-under on the combine falling at this year's draft, which is 4-2-9. I called this a lock, and you've heard me call this a lock, Kramer. It is a lock that the 4-2-9 goes down. Guess what? It went down last night. There's been incredible numbers. Jonathan Taylor, the running back, the second or the what second heavy or third third heaviest running back in the combine, 226 pounds, ran a 4-3-9. Put this in the perspective. And he's a guy that went back-to-back 2,000-yard years at Wisconsin. So big time power five program. It's not like this guy came out of Alcorn State. No, Wisconsin. Saquon Barkley, 233 pounds, ran a 4-4-0. Put that in perspective. Uh, you and I were looking at, uh, well, Tristan Wirfs, who's a 6'5", 320-pound lineman, ran a 4.85 in the 40-yard dash. It is unbelievable the size of players right now and the athleticism they possess. Now, here, here's the main thing, and most people say, don't be blown away with combine numbers. Like, don't draft. For years, the Raiders would draft the fastest guy at the combine. Whether they had skill or not, they think that they thought they could take him in Give it, it didn't work out. And develop the catching, yeah, it never worked even, out. Even John Ross for the Bengals. I know he's had injury problems, but that has not been the same. That four-two-two speed has not been utilized. Now, I am curious what John Ross would look like with the Kansas City Chiefs. He set the combine record. You remember back when he did it? What was it? Adi- wear Adidas shoes and you get the island, but he didn't have them on, so he didn't win the island? I mean, everybody wants their own island. But he said, oh, yeah. But, but regardless, the combine in prime time I think is fun, especially for the cities that are going to go out and get a quarterback because they can watch the drills. They have a bunch of new drills, 16 new drills. They get the smoke route and everything else. Uh, Kent Swanson, uh, my guy from arrowheadpride.com, puts out that draft guide, KC draft guide, which is outstanding. He's actually at the Combine, and uh, we'll be talking to Kent coming up at about 10.15 as I uh, talk draft every day, a draft segment every single day, and I'll try to continue. Well, I will continue this all the way up till the draft. So a draft segment as we do the combine. Some other news and notes. How about Eric Berry? He's in the news again as well. Don't know if you saw that. He took last year off. Of course, he came back probably a little bit too early a couple years ago with the Chiefs. And Eric Berry could be showing up to the Indianapolis Colts. Here's Jim Trotter on NFL Network last night. You got some news from some, I don't want to call him a former player yet because it sounds like Eric Berry wants to come back. He absolutely wants to come back. He has spent the last year working out, getting himself right after missing all but three games over the previous two seasons. Now, one of the things I'm hearing is that a team that uh, may be the most likely landing spot for him is the Indianapolis Colts. Really? I reached out to Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, yesterday. He declined to comment on it, but I've been told that there have at least been discussions. One of Eric Berry's best friends is Justin Houston, his former teammate in Kansas City, who's now with the Colts. Look, Eric is a different kind of guy. He felt that he came back too early from the Achilles and the heel injury. He wanted to get his body right, so he spent all of last year working out. I've seen tape of him. He looks great. Uh, that would be great. Uh, many thought that he might have landed in Cleveland last year if he did play. Because, he had offers. Because John Dorsey was there. He sits out and now could be coming back. Here's a couple things about Eric Berry. First of all, isn't it amazing how p- players fall from grace in Kansas City? We all know that. We all know when something's big that happens, it lasts for, what, 24 hours, the news cycle, and then it's gone. Then it's done. No matter what happens, it's gone pretty fast. 
You know, a guy signed somewhere, it's big news, it drops off. Chris Jones gets the franchise tag, everybody's talking about it. At this point, it's getting to the point everybody knew it was going to happen. It's not, it's not that big news anymore. But Eric Berry, when, when they left, you want to talk about one of the most popular Chiefs. Eric Berry was that guy. And it's funny how, you know, the guys can fall off the map so fast. You win a world title, Mahomes takes over the world, and we forget about guys like Eric Berry, and a lot of people were bitter. Thinking he took money from the Chiefs the last year. You know, he wasn't on the field, wasn't playing. And I understand the sentiment. Chris Ballard was in Kansas City, so he's familiar with these guys. If they sign Eric Berry, which some people have said the poor man's Tyron Matthew at this point in his career, and early in his career, you couldn't really say that. He's he's not that he didn't have the versatility. Of the Honey Badger. The Honey Badger actually lined up more snaps a corner in slot than he did at safety. In one Thornhill, you could say, is a young Honey Badger. But Eric Berry's not that anymore. And here's the thing. At what point are they gunning up just for a short window? Because there's been talk about Phillip Rivers going with Chris Ballard in Indianapolis. And then if Eric Berry ends up there in Justin Houston, you know what that team's doing, Kramer? That team is getting old. I mean, we're looking at the Raiders and the youth movement that they're doing through the draft where they're trying to punch through. That's why when Antonio Brown signed with the Raiders last year, a little bit curious because I don't think they were ready for primetime. Not quite ready for that. But as the season turned out, as the Raiders started playing good football, you're thinking, well, Antonio Brown could help the Raiders. Maybe Mayock and Gruden knew what they were doing. But obviously Mayock said, hey, you're going to take some chances. As we said the combine, going to take some chances, going to take some swing and miss. That's what you have to do. You have to take swings and misses. It's what, the, it's what the Cardinals have done with quarterbacks. Josh Rosen didn't work out. Swing for Kyler Murray. You got to keep going out. Because everybody right now at that combine is looking for the next Pat Mahomes. That's all they're talking about down there. Those radio shows and everything. How do we draft to stop the Kansas City Chiefs? The Chiefs have now taken over the spot the Patriots had. Because for years, we sat here with the, the, the Chiefs draft. And I, I, I certainly did. With the moves they made. Look at the Chiefs. Don't tell me that they did not look at the Patriots as a team to stop. Steve Spagnuolo comes in here. What's Spag's known for? Stopping the Patriots in the Super Bowl, an undefeated Patriots team that had a chance at immortality and to knock off the 72 Dolphins. So they were the ones popping champagne when the last team lost and not the 1972 Dolphins. If you don't know this, the Dolphins pop champagne after the last team loses in the NFL. They had to sweat it out. They had to sweat it out in that Super Bowl. But Spagnola was brought in. They, they knew, the Chiefs knew that Sutton wasn't going to get the job done to beat the Patriots. Knew it wasn't going to happen. So they bring in Spags. Cleaned house. All new coaches on defense. They flipped the scheme. Eight new faces. You go out and get Frank Clark. These were moves to combat the Patriots. Because that was, that was public enemy number one. Yes, Lamar Jackson showed out this year in the Baltimore Ravens, you know, they're, they're a threat at this point. I think Deshaun Watson and the Texans are. But again, I think we saw the best of what that team can be with Bill O'Brien making head-scratching moves. Bill O'Brien, to me, is not the guy to take that team over the hump. Deshaun Watson certainly can win a Super Bowl, but not with Bill O'Brien. That's my opinion. And you say that the teams are trying to beat Patrick Mahomes. So that's the new normal thing right now. A quarterback can do that, but that's the thing. The defense, you can throw any defense at Pat right now, and Pat is going to destroy them it's, it, you cannot game plan against Patrick Mahomes right now and especially for these next five to ten years oh it's gonna be terrible for these teams we had Mitch Holtis in here on Tuesday I was sitting in with uh, Levine and, and Mitch uh, came in here of course we're new uh, partner of the Chiefs 
And he was talking about, you know, Mahomes. And he's right. Mahomes saw different defenses this year. Teams are going with that same method that you saw at the end of last year against the Chiefs. Ball control type offense. That's why I think run stepping is the utmost important for the Chiefs in the draft this year. Even more so than the pass rush, to be honest with you. It's stopping that run. What was the Achilles heel of this team for the longest time? Well, why did the Colts come in here and win during the regular season? Why did the Texans win here in the regular season? The ability to run the football. Now, the Chiefs' defense changed. Certainly, I think halftime of that chart, it changed. But the ball control. Teams wanted to keep old Patrick over on the, on the bench with Andy Reid. That was their that was their mind, their mind their game plan. Time of possession. Keep control. The Colts didn't care how many points they won by. They would try you know, win by one point. But who's the second tier? Right now, the tier one is the Chiefs. The Patriots have gone from tier one to tier two. And we might even look at them completely differently if Tom ends up somewhere else that looks like he will. Could end up in Vegas. Could end up two of the four teams that are looking to sign Tom Brady. And I'm talking Chargers, Raiders, talking Titans are in the mix now. And back to the Patriots. Two of those are AFC West teams. Which is crazy to think he would want to come to an AFC West team because he'd have to go up against Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Unless they figure out a, a way to bring weapons around him. Hey, we're gonna give you we're gonna draft you two wide receivers in the first round. Or we're gonna get, we can get you another wide receiver to help you out for I don't know, for a, hopefully a long run for that year. Cause you you're not gonna expect what Brady's gonna get a two year deal, if anything. He's what, 41, 42 years old. I would not if I was Tom Brady, I would not come to the AFC West. He didn't care. No, he doesn't. He won't get paid. He, he's got six rings. He he doesn't care at this point. He's got his legacy. He's been the nine Super Bowls. He doesn't care. I mean, it, it, he does. He doesn't fear anything, and he shouldn't fear anything. To be quite honest with you, but who's the second tier? Well, the Ravens are in there. Could the Colts be in the second tier? I think they could. I think they have a short window to win, and I felt like the Colts are going to be much better than they were this year until Andrew Luck walked away. Then it changed everything. The comeback player of the year walks away different. They don't have a quarterback. Jacoby Brissett's good, but not great. He's average. You know, he's not that quarterback to take you over the hump. A lot of the way I felt about Alex Smith when he was here. Not the quarterback to take you over the hump. But the Chiefs have knocked the Patriots out. It is them, and it's them going forward. Teams in the league aren't going to the combine saying, how do we stop New England? They don't care. They need to worry about stopping Buffalo more than New England next year. But the Chiefs are now public enemy number one. Speaking of that, we'll talk to Kent Swanson who's been down at the Combine. See where he's thinking the Chiefs go with 32 after having a chance to check out some of these prospects. Talk to Kent next. Welcome back to leadoff. Jay Binkley, Kramer, the Kramer dog, producing the operation. Been talking some NFL draft, Combine, the NFL draft as well. The Combine numbers up double from what they were last year. That's what happens when you move at the prime time. Or you can go to Indianapolis like Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride. What's up, Kent? Pink, what is going on, my friend? I uh, I'm, I'm try- I was trying to adjust to the uh, to the combine schedule a little bit. I don't know if I like it, but it sounds like it's doing well for the TV. So. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is. As Kent's out in Indianapolis finding some great information from his draft guide, gum.co. KC Draft Guide 2020. You can see it on online at Kent underscore Swanson. He's got the pre-orders right now. LIV for $8.54. Team-specific, Chief-specific with over 300 prospects. How's that working, Kent? Thank you. Are just, you're doing my work for me, this, the, the promotion of this. But thank you so much. Yeah, no, it, it's going well. And, and we've got, uh, I think we're going to have 100 quotes 
uh, between the Senior Bowl and the Combine from prospects about what it would be like to be a Kansas City Chief. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, and, and the works, we're still, we're still grinding away at it, but this week certainly helped us. Well, what would you find out most of the time when you bring up Kansas City Chiefs? I mean, how many of these guys, and we, we talk about the Mahomes effect, you know, these guys that want to go play for Patrick or Andy Reid, the Chiefs look like they're having fun with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. This, this seems like the place to want to go play for. Uh, it, it definitely does. And, you know, we spent a lot of time with, with the defensive side of the ball, with the prospects, and obviously Patrick Mahomes' name still shows up plenty. But you would be stunned at how many guys modeled their game after Tyron Matthews, yes. especially, obviously, the defensive back. So much love and praise for Tyron Matthews this weekend from the defensive players. Uh, and Frank Clark, too, a lot of a lot of connections between Frank Clark and Tyron Matthews. But uh, John Reed, uh, a cornerback from Penn State, said it best. He said, all of us here grew up watching Tyron Matthews. He is revered, and uh, a lot of guys, when, when we'd ask what would it be like to you know, play with the Chiefs? It was obviously Patrick Mahomes, but uh, Tyron Matthew. I want to play with Tyron Matthew. It's crazy. It, it can't. Some of these, some of these, these combine numbers are really standing out. Now, I know the other day everybody's going nuts on Chase Claypool, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame, and you probably heard a lot of people from the media talking about that. The four four two at four hundred thirty eight pounds. That's great. I was sitting back here going, "What about this tight end from Missouri, Albert O?" That ran a four four nine at two hundred and fifty eight pounds, twenty pounds heavier than Chase Claypool. To me, that stood out even more than a guy that uh, basically him and Megatron, the only wide receivers at that size, doing it. But that blew me away. Could the Chiefs be thinking about that? Yeah, I mean, he definitely helped himself this week. Uh, he, he, you know, I, I think if you look at him, you know, on, on, in his time at Missouri, I don't think anybody thought he was going to be a four four guy. He looked a little bit slower than that, but. Um, definitely an intriguing prospect now. He certainly helped himself a lot. A lot. He definitely made himself the money because you know a guy that can be explosive up the scene like that uh, with his with his linear vertical speed. I think you know he's a definite definite threat. Uh, a player that can put pressure on defenses, can create some mismatches. We have some questions about his change direction ability. He's going to be able to get in and out of breaks consistently with his route tree. Maybe you know, a little bit of blocking concerns with him too, just as a, as a developmental prospect. But you know, you you now see what 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 he's done for himself now is he's presented himself as you know a, a really really quality athletic profile, um, and that's going to help him a lot. And, and yeah, maybe the Chiefs take a look. But my guess is, I think where the Chiefs would look at a tight end range wise, I think he's probably out of it because he helped himself with his athletic testing. I, I talked to Craig Stout last night from Arrowhead Pride, uh, one, one of your guys, Kent, that does a lot of a lot of work with you, of course. And we talked about the the mock draft that Arrowhead Pride put out. And Cameron Dantzler, you guys had on the uh, defensive back or the cornerback for Mississippi State, tall but a little bit undersized. I, I, I'm curious where you were sitting because I asked Craig. I know you guys do this as a consortium and you know the agreement on who you're going to have as your pick. After being in Indianapolis, we've seen everywhere from linebacker, and now that the, the trend is people mocking running backs to the Kansas City Chiefs, what are you thinking? I I think cornerback makes a lot of sense. I I would I would run away from the running back. Uh, I don't want to see the Chiefs invest the running back early. I love the idea of a cornerback, and I love the idea of Cameron Dancer. I have questions about if he's going to be. 
uh, on the Chiefs board because of because of like you said how big he's going to be. You know, is he going to be you know an acceptable weight to be able to keep on weight? Um, but I, I would run away from running back. I, I, I think this team there's too many needs right now for this football team. The interior offensive line, cornerback, linebacker. Those three, I think you've got to come away with those three positions with your first three picks in some order. I agree with you 100%. What, what do you consider the biggest need, if I was going to say linebacker, corner, or wide receiver? Because they could be really thin in corner and missing two, and wide receiver as well missing two. And then, of course, you've got to be able to – I, I consider stopping the run the most important because that's the one way to beat Mahomes is keeping them on the sideline. Those three positions, which one do you like the best? I, I still think it's cornerback. I think you've got to prioritize cornerback for a lot of different reasons. I think, you know, first off, I think, you know, it was pretty impressive that the Chiefs were able to, to win a Super Bowl with the cornerback play that they had. There was a lot of inconsistencies, uh, in my opinion, especially late down the stretch. I thought Bashad Breeland was pretty good. I thought Bashad Breeland is not on the, on the roster for the Chiefs anymore. Jarvarius Ward, I think he had a tough stretch in, in the end of the season. So, yes, it's nice to have him. He certainly has earned his opportunity to be the starter next year. But you need an injection of talent at quarterback. You really need to continue to put assets that you really have. You need to start putting assets in corner because, honestly, this team hasn't put a ton of assets into the quarterback position in Brett Beach's tenure. I think that needs to change this year. I think you need to look at free agency probably and – the draft as well. They need to come away with two quality players to add to that rotation. Are you sitting anywhere where they they go move out of 32 and go to the second round? They had a hell of a lot of luck in the second round last year, and the third round has really been kind to the Kansas City Chiefs through the years. You know, I, I think it just depends on what the outlook of your draft capital is like when you get to draft weekend, because, you know, the Chris Jones situation is in flux. Do they trade him? Do they get more assets there? I think those are the things that I'm kind of looking at right now. Um, and it, like, let's just say theoretically, if they are going to go with cornerback first, I think there's a couple guys that you just sit there at 32 and take. But if maybe a Jeff Glad isn't on the board anymore, and you're kind of stuck with your middle tier, with your AJ Terrells, with your Bryce Hall, with maybe your Cameron Dantzlers, maybe you move back a little bit, try to get a little bit more capital and just, you know, take one of those guys in that second tier cornerbacks in that, you know, late thirties to early forties range. Good stuff. Anybody stand out to you? Really? I mean, you know, when you talk to the defensive players, like you said, you've been doing anybody kind of jump out to you, kind of, kind of squeaky, squeaky good. Uh, you know, I mean, there was a few guys. Uh, Patrick Queen, obviously, he's a guy that I think is probably ultimately not even going to be there. I was really interested to hear from him. Cameron Dantzler lit up uh, when when uh, when Jake Sack, uh, a guy that we do the you know the Arrowhead Pride uh, draft show with, when he talked to him, he lit up about the idea of being a chief. Um, there's there was a, there's a few guys that you know uh, a lot of those a lot of the names that we have talked about. I think. Christian Polk, guys like that, very interested in them. and um, I think they helped themselves on the podium, and I think they helped, they're going to help themselves this week too. Man, it's going to be fun. Patrick Queen and Kenneth Murray certainly 
appear to be climbing up the draft charts, look up unobtainable, to be honest with you. They'll work out today. Yep. They could even climb. With Queen with Queen and Murray today, who knows what their numbers are going to be. They could find themselves way ahead of where the Chiefs are picking. Yeah, I, my gut tells me that those two won't be available. It's going to be really fascinating to see how the Chiefs navigate this because, you know, that's, that's probably why I think the Chiefs go quarter in round one. Because I think their best options at off-ball linebacker are probably not going to be there. And if they're not going to be there, you probably got to wait until day two at some point to try to assess that. Awesome stuff. Kent Swanson. Hey, Kent, uh, real quick, when's that draft guide come out? The draft guide will release April 6th. You can pre-order now if you go to gum.co slash kcdraftguide2020. Promo code LIVE. Celebrating Super Bowl 54. Celebrating the Champions Edition of the KC Draft Guide. We will get that to you for 854. If you didn't hear all that, put write all that down. Just find me on Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. It is at the top of my Twitter page. It's good stuff, and as I recommend, I mean, you can go to the National and get whatever, but these are Kansas City guys that specifically watch every single play the Kansas City Chiefs do. And Craig Stout, that does this as well, uh, basically looked at all 40 linebackers that uh, Steve Spagnola and the, the size and what he looks for and the body types and and everything at the players. And, of course, the senior bowl Kent uh, went to as well. So they've done their homework on these draft picks specifically for the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot of these guys have a lot. They have 32 teams to cover. You guys have one. So it's, it's, it's one of the best guides out there. Thanks, Kent. Anytime, my friend. All right, there you go. Kent Swanson right there, arrowheadpride.com. This draft guide's good. So good that you'd probably like it. I think... They were they were as high on Cleveland Farrell as Mike Mayock was, because <laughs> a lot of people were like, "That's." I remember because uh, we did the draft special last year, and Craig Stout was in here, and I remember when uh, Cleveland Farrell was taken, and everybody's like, "Whoa, he went way too early!" And all of a sudden they're going, "Yeah, we had him up there early too." So they they had him up there, but they go and watch these guys specifically, and it's all write ups for the Keen City. I, I find tremendous value in it because they specifically look at the Chiefs and Craig. Did a lot of homework on looking at every linebacker that Spags has had yesterday, the, the average and the weights and everything else. It's it's insane what they're looking for. I'd like to go back and look at his corners. Every corner that he's has, the body type. Because Spags is big into the body types, man. Just like his defensive ends, all the same kind of mold. So I'm curious what the, you know, when you look at the corners and the body types and the sizes, and he may go different. Maybe Sam Madison or Dave Merritt wants something different. Who knows? I mean, this is a passing game right now. Defensive backs. I mean, look, the Chiefs, when they put their depth chart, that was the nickel depth chart. I mean, 4-3, we can call it a 4-3, but a lot of times it's more of a hybrid than anything else. Yeah, most of the time. I mean, when he came in here, everybody you know, thought they were gonna, the Chiefs were going to be married to that. It's just different looks on it. Of course, the pass rush did come from the ends, which happens at a 4-3. 3-4 comes from the outside linebacker. I get that. They look for the pass. And, and Chris Jones obviously added that pass rush in the interior. Well, the week that was, Chris Jones gets the franchise tag. Chris Jones had spoke this week. What's it mean for the franchise tag with Chris Jones? We talk about it next. Welcome back to Lead Up, Jay Binkley. Kramer, the Kramer Dog, producing the operation. Kent Swanson just joined us. If you missed it, check it on podcast page or on demand, 610sports.com. He's been at the Combine, which uh, a lot of envy. He's one lucky man to be at the Combine. That's right. That's right. 
It's a lot of work at the combine. A lot of uh, a lot of interviews. Uh, the, it's basically what the media does. They're there for the interviews, talking to the players. But these players, it, it's a it's a relief to them, not talking to the teams with all the silly questions. Yeah, that's true. There's, what, there's so many silly questions. It's it's stupid. I mean, you really, it's like it's like job. Well, what it is is it's a big job interview. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's life changing money. Well, true. I mean, there's so much money in this game. I mean, in calling this game, Tony Romo. <laughs> The news just getting $17 million a year uh, by CBS. I likened it last night, Kramer, because ESPN was looking to uh, to bid uh, for the services of Tony Romo, and there's no guarantee they're going to be getting games in the future. Their contract for Monday Night Football expires next year. Is the NFL looking at $200 million for the salary cap now? is 188 a year ago, but the salary cap is only going to go up. And keep this in mind, too, with the NFL – if this new CBA, the NFL owners would take, or the players would get 48.5% of the money, that is the highest amount per owner for any sports league is what's going to the players in the National Football League. So let's send it, well, the NFL doesn't play as players. Well, they do. When you look at the revenues, they pay just as much or more. But Tony Rose is going to be calling games where he's making more than the players. Some of them. Some of them. But Tony Romo's good? Is he $17 million good? I don't know. John Madden got $8 million. That was the highest contract when he was broadcasting. With today's inflation rate, that would be about $14 million. So Romo would be making more now than John Madden in his peak. And to me, there's no more famous broadcaster than John Madden. I grew up with John Madden. Kramer, you're probably wondering who I'm talking about. I know John Madden. Come on now. (laughs) Because of the video game. No. No. He brought some. He brought a championship to Oakland. I always tease you about oh, nothing that happened before two thousand. He's a great coach. No, amazing coach. Heck, I heard him on the broadcast on ABC. Heck, Frank Caliendo does his impersonations perfectly. Come he, on now, Bink. He was to me. What Keith Jackson was, and by the way, that was Oakland, not, you said Los Angeles. He won That's that. Oakland first, and I thought, oh, and he, he won the Super Bowl in Oakland. They beat the Vikings, one of the four Viking losses, but he was with Oakland. Yeah, at that time, yes. Yeah, they used to play in Oakland before Los Angeles. Yeah, I know. They went back. That's just a it, little bit. Now they're in they, Vegas. They've been there so many times. You know that, though. You know they're in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Anything current, you're good with. Oakland to Los Angeles, back to Oakland. Now it's, they thought about going back to Los Angeles, but then go to Las Vegas. Yeah. It gets crazy over there. The sideshow is beginning, especially if Tom Brady ends up with the Raiders, which, I, I, you know, everybody's talking now. Like, it looks like Brady's not coming back to to the Patriots. I think people are starting to acknowledge this. Look like Belichick might put the number out, then Robert Kraft could supersede that. I, I, I To me, I think we're going to have the ultimate argument now. Chicken or the egg, Brady or Belichick. I, I'm looking for this year in the NFL is going to be fun. So many stories. I can't wait. I can't wait till it starts. It's starting now with the combine, but I can't wait till the actual games start. I'm very curious about how this goes. But the franchise tag. Now we don't know Chris Jones. What the Chiefs doing? They go an exclusive or non-exclusive with it. Exclusive means he can't talk to anybody else. Non-exclusive means he can. But if a team signs him, they have to give up two number one picks. Which, to be honest with you, if I'm the Chiefs, I'd roll with that. I'll take two number one picks if that's the direction that you want to go. I I would certainly do that. But Dak Prescott looks like he's going to get the tag. Now, keep in mind, you're not tagged unless you're good. But the players see it as the ultimate sign of disrespect. 
And this is a big difference from going to arbitration in baseball, which State Moore's done one time. That's it. Because in arbitration, you are told how bad you are, you know, in front of the arbitrator, because teams don't want to pay you as much. And then your argument is how good you are, how good you're going to be, and that's where your salary is ultimately defined unless you get contracts worked out, which Dayton Moore. But it looks like looks like Dak Prescott could get $33 million. Which is crazy. Which be- is double, w- w- way more than he's ever made. As I think, what, $2.5 million? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's way more than that by getting tagged. And Chris Jones is going to get more money than he's ever seen in his life with the franchise tag at $16 million. And what's just stupid about Dak Prescott because Mike McCarthy thinks he can have Dak bring a Super Bowl to Dallas. There's no way. That And the thing is, they're trying to, are trying to make out saying Dak's going to get more money than Pat. He's not worth it. No, Pat will ultimately get the most in all of football. They're going to wait this thing out. There's no hurry. There's no hurry. I know we, we looked at it and said, well, you know, when's, when's Veach going to sit down and Veach talk about it? They're, they're waiting for the CBA, and they're waiting for other things to fold out. But, yes, Pat will be. The Chiefs know. They got their game. They got the hardest position in sports. They got They got Pat Mahomes. They have him for the next, what, possibly 20 years? I, I think he plays another 16. I bet he goes till he's 40. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, he could be Breeze or Tom Brady and just go along. He just likes playing. He's a gamer. There's a difference between guys that just want the money and the fame or whatever. There's other guys that like to win and collect rings. Pat Mahomes is a ring collector. That's what he is. He he wants to win. Here was Chris Jones on Colin Cowherd the day that uh, the news came out. He was going to be franchise tagged with the Kansas City Chiefs. But the beautiful thing about the franchise tag, it can go one of two ways. Um, The team either um, long-term you and um, have you for the future or they're going to trade you. So, um, I mean, you're going to get paid either way. You either know that. Way. Yeah, either way. I'll, um, be nice I'll to get paid when you have Mahomes as a quarterback. Yeah, it, it would be nice to get paid in Kansas City and stay with Mahomes and uh, what they're building over there, what we're building. Um, it, it's exceptional. I feel like we're building a dynasty. And um, it's a, uh, for Brett Veach, it's about um, looking at the team, analyzing what you can, what you can lose and what you have to keep. Right. So, he wants to stay. The words he's using, we. We're building a dynasty. He wants to stay. Well, of course, it's the NFL where feelings don't really matter. Ask Jeremy Macklin. <laughs> right after the wedding. Boom. It's the NFL, man. It's cutthroat. It's a business. I understand. You talk about millions of dollars at stake for the NFL. But uh, Chris Jones knows what's up. I mean, he, he's not happy about getting taken. No one ever is. No one ever is. But. Again, you're getting paid. And Colin Coward, by the way, always likes when guys are tagged, except for quarterbacks. He thinks it's a good deal for him. And it really is. You're compensated the top five, average top five of your position. And then when you're tagged again for the second, because you can be tagged twice, you can be tagged three times. By the way, Terrell Suggs, and I, I don't know if you ever had conversations with Chris Jones when he was here. Terrell Suggs was once tagged two years in a row by the Ravens. So it can happen even into future Hall of Famers like Terrell Suggs. Now, here was his feelings about being franchised. Um, I missed emotions. Um, I feel a little bit like um, every team in this league has the opportunity to franchise a, a, a good player. And um, You're more I'm than the a lucky good guy. <laughs> I'm the lucky guy. <laughs> he was asked this, and I like it. Do you consider yourself a cornerstone guy? I do. I do. Um, you actually watch um, watch my stats over the last four years. I feel like I've gotten better and better for this defense, and I feel like I have a position myself in a position to be a cornerstone guy. Chris Jones is a cornerstone guy. He is a game changer, specifically at the end of the games. But I think there's an argument both sides. I think if you're the Chiefs, you look and say, well, in the postseason, you had three tackles and no sacks. 
And they say the game you missed against the Houston Texans, they allowed less than 100 yards rushing. The Chiefs had five sacks in that game. Frank Clark had three. So you say, well, I make everybody else better. Well, Frank Clark had three sacks in the game that Chris Jones didn't play. So it can go round and round, and I could see it from both sides. I could see where the Chiefs come out with the analytics and data, and I could see where Chris Jones is, hey, man, I'm the intangible. I'm the guy that can change the game, which he literally can. We know how much he can change the game. So it's going to be weird to see how this thing unfolds. And, you know, Chris Jones, the type of guy that wants to be here. He reminds me of Danny Duffy in a way that he wants to be with his organization. But if they can guarantee him, which there's no guaranteeing in pro football, but, hey, you know, we're going to take care of Pat this year. You know, if the Chiefs are coming to us, hey, we're going to take care of Pat this year, we'll take care of you next year. Well, then you're crossing your fingers and, you know, again, there's no guarantees in foot. There's no guarantee for coaches to get the, you're you're coming back next year. We're giving you a contract. They fire him for the next thing smoking. It's the NFL, man. Things change so fast. Again, I'll say it again. In five years, who is still a member of the Kansas City Chiefs? Who's still a viable member? We're thinking five years. Travis Kelsey in his mid-30s. Tyreek Hill, you know, creeping up to the 30-year-old mark. Which things change in the NFL. The playing expectancy is about three years. Things Pat Mahomes for sure, maybe Butker because he's a young kicker and kickers last forever. Ask Mason Crosby. Ask Vince Harry. This guy, this guy's on the NFL 100 list, and he's not going anywhere. You know, Vince Harry, his first year, I wasn't even born yet. Is that right? That's right. Is that right? Yes. And you've been through, how old are you? You're 23? 23. Or 24? I'm 23. That's. <laughs> Can you think of all this change since he came in the league? Think about his position and everything that's changed. Moving the extra points back. That was a gimme that he used to have. And heck, he even started over in Europe. I did not realize that you are younger than him. That is absolute. Insanity. Um, I wonder how much longer he's going to go. He, he's he's older than me. I'm 46. Is he 40? He's 47. He's 47. I bet he has at least good three more years in him. He just had he just had knee surgery, so I mean he has a bionic. He wasn't that good. Robotic. He, he's not been the same. No. no. Well, it's because he had knee problems. Well, it's, it's a big, but kickers matter. The games come down to that. I love kickers, man. Did I know, you, I, watch, I know you do. Did you watch the combine on the kicker that had a one foot? I think it was a fifty-eight yard field goal. He, he and one step. He made one point eight million last year. He's an unrestricted free agent at this point. Anyway, anyway, he plays at forty-seven. That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, he's older than me. The, the, the only guy in the league older than me. Insanity. Speaking of being old, we do the candy bar challenge each and every time. Kramer um, produces for me at the end of the show where I get something from the 1920s or 30s. Not that old. The new stuff that's still made from them. We're doing the Caramello bar by uh, Cadbury later today to open Kramer's eyes. It's all about him learning about what was younger. Just like John Madden, teaching him about Madden besides what he knows from the video game. Coming up next, though, he played baseball at Northwest Missouri State. I want to talk baseball. I want to talk maybe a misnomer about the Astros. Everybody's laughing at how many times they're being hit in spring training. Does it actually matter? We'll discuss it next. 
Welcome back to the leadoff. Jay Bankley with Kramer, the Kram dog. Um, the Houston Astros. This is funny. There's a Twitter account. <laughs> it's called the 2020 Astro Shame Tour at Asterisk Tour. Uh, guess how many followers they got, Kram dog? I'm going to say about half a million. No, but that's. Is it close? It's a good guess. I mean, one, uh, there's several of these, but this this one in particular, almost 128,000. That's still a lot. It, it's a lot. They follow 756. They had a, a, a tweet this morning. This is from an Astro spring training game. At night, it was kind of raining. The guys are all like walking around the dugout, and some dude's yelling them at this. This is from the Twitter account of the Astro Shame Tour. Are you going to give the trophy back? You guys keeping a trophy? You're going to give it back? As long as you keep paying. How about your, that? How about the rings? Are you going to keep the rings or the MVP or are you going to give it back? Just keep paying to come see us. I'll come, I'll come to do this. So the Astros, somebody in the Astros staff, and who knows what it was, a player, somebody, but somebody, they wasn't a player. It looks like a coach. That voice sounded old. Keep paying to come see us. Keep paying to come see us. I'll sit here and do this is what he said. This is the beginning of what they're going to see. I mean, it's just a small taste. Of what they're seeing. Spring training's a, a time where everybody's having fun. They're going down there, having some drinks, going to the beach, getting some warm weather, coming out of the cold weather, going down for spring training. But this is what they're going to get. From ESPN, they posed the question, and I agree with it. Are the Astros really being targeted for hit by pitches this spring? And we've all seen it. They've been hit by seven pitches, hit by pitches seven. And that was the lead in my in uh, spring training baseball for the Cactus and the Grapefruit League. But things have changed. The Cardinals have actually been hit by eight, and four teams have been hit by six this year. But does it really tell the story? The guys that have been hit by the Astros, Destin Garneau, Jose Altuve, that one makes sense. Alex Degatti makes no sense. Osvaldo Duarte makes no sense. Aldemus Diaz makes some sense. Jake Myers doesn't make sense, and Alex Bregman makes complete sense. Yeah, Although, Eliminus Diaz was even on the team at that point. I know, but he was Bre- a Blue Jay. Yeah, but yeah, but, but I mean, I mean, for last season, I can see why, but that championship season, no. I, I'm with you, but so what you have is three low level minor leaguers Garneau, who wasn't even a member of the Astros until this season. Diaz, as you said, wasn't even a member of the Astros in, eight, in 17 and 18, but he was there last year, I believe. Yes. So he, but halfway through the season. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're saying they did it last year, yeah, too. I yeah. Mean, but, so I understand some of those. The minor, So, basically, what I'm saying, the pitchers hitting them are kind of unknown pitchers as well. It's not like the pitchers with the dead. They will be hit. The over-under has been set at 83.5. Three teams in Major League Baseball were hit by more. Nobody was hit more than the Mets at 95. So, my two locks going forward was the 429 being beat, which it was already, and my other one is the Astros and the over. Now, the only way it could stop is if Manfred, who's been wild about things, comes out with Astros rules that says, hey, man, we could see more punishments for throwing at the Astros. Which is stupid. We, we could see. It is stupid. I agree with you. This is, this is the way baseball polices itself. This is you know part of the game. Listen, if you steal signs... Like, guys have been plunked all the time for, quote, stealing signs, which is acceptable. It's just not acceptable to use electronic devices to do it, which the Astros did, which they have admitted 
to doing. But teams steal signs. It's what they do. But they get plunked. If, they, if you've been on second base for a while and they, they suspect something, the next time you're at the plate, you will get hit. Or at some point you will. Memories are like elephants. They may hit you the next year. If you, if you bat flip or something on a walk-off, they'll remember it and they'll store it. Next time they see you, they'll hit you because baseball, like the NHL, the NHL polices itself right away when they put a goon on the ice. But, but you, you were a baseball player, Cream Dog. You played at Northwest Missouri State. I, I'm looking at this. And I'm saying if they really want to protect themselves, they need that pitching staff, the Astros, to start firing back. Now, here's my thing. I think I think a lot of warnings are going to be issued before the game starts. So you don't pluck somebody, then get the warning. So you're automatically thrown out. You know what I'm saying? Which which you will see if there's teams that got in a brawl the day before, the next day, oh, yeah. they'll get a warning before the game even starts. And I feel that a lot of these games with the Strohs, especially when you get to the division, especially when they play the A's and Mike Fires, they, they, they will. But here's the thing. Should Verlander and it's a, start dotting people? I mean, if you're a player and you got pitchers going out there and throwing at the Astros and you're a hitter, what do you say to your pitcher? Like, dude, come on, they're going to they're gonna drill me. Like, if you're one of the stars of the game, you're like, all right. Like, if you're Mike Trout in the Angels, they're going to play the Strohs. And you're sitting here going, all right. I understand you guys are mad at Bregman and Altuve, but they're going to dot me. So do what you want, but this this is what the Astros need to do. Now, they can get thrown out of the game just like anybody else, and I think they want to win to try to resurrect themselves. But what do they need to do? The pitchers? I mean, if you're the hitters, do you say, you guys got to start protecting us because that's what pitchers do. They protect their hitters. Or eventually, do they just need to start fighting? And deal with the suspensions. They seem to be the bad boys of the MLB. But, I mean, come out there and just show, hey, you hit me. I'm about it. I'm going to come out there. Or do they know they need to go get a Kyle Farnsworth type to throw in their bullpen? And what I mean by that is, I mean, just a dude that everybody fears. Kyle Farnsworth, former Royal, former a lot of uh, teams. But Major League Baseball did an anonymous survey one year. There were a couple years, and Farnsworth was number one guy that people don't want to charge the mound against. That was the question. Who would you least want to charge the mound against? And Farnsworth was up there. Vern and I once talked to Wade Davis when he was a member of the Royal before a game in midsummer. And just, just a casual conversation with Wade, not even a recorded interview. Just ask him, who's the toughest guy you ever played with? Kyle Farnsworth was his answer. Who's the one guy you wouldn't, you wouldn't charge? Kyle Farnsworth from Tampa Bay. Kyle Farnsworth, once he was done playing, he went and played semi-pro football. I don't know if you know that, but as soon as his playing career was done, he played semi-pro football as like an edge rusher. Like he's not, that's what they need. They need that guy to come in and like, oh, oh, oh. like they need some bad boys. They, they, they need to go hockey goon, man. And here's the thing. If Manfred's trying to police the other teams of trying not to throw at the Astros and say something does happen like that and the Astros retaliate, I believe the Astros should have that chance of, okay, you're policing other teams. They need to police the Astros too, because it's going to go. It's going to go both ways. I hope it would, but the way that this thing's going with Manfred, I can see him siding with the Astros the entire season. I, I don't know. He, he took enough criticism for it. I, I could see him. He's a, he's a person that called the trophy a, a piece of metal. I, I know. Which is, it, it, which is, and he apologized for that. I know, that but was, still, that was idiotic. But still, because that that piece of metal is something that everybody fans, dreams for. Fans waited hours to go get pictures with it because it matters to him, and it matters to those players who were kissing it, and hugging it. Carrying it around. Look at the Lombardi trophy. Those Chiefs or you think the Chiefs consider that a piece of metal? No, they're making no. out with that thing. They look well, you think the Stanley Cup's a piece of metal? It technically is, but these players take it back to Czechoslovakia and 
They get that in Finland day and Sweden, and they, they take it all over the place. It's more than a piece of metal. Coming up next, we'll stay with baseball. Talk some Kansas City Royals and reasons for optimism next. Where's my update, Kramer? Let's lead off Jay Binkley with Kramer the Kramer. There's no updates on the weekend. You don't but, do those on the weekends. Come on now. Yeah, what if I wanted one? Well, you mean get you one right it's real quick? Taking the weekend off. You mean to give you an update real quick? Yeah. The Chiefs are still your Super Bowl champions. Okay. There we go. Good job. Mike nice job. That's all that really needs to be said. Have you got baseball fever yet? Because I have. I've had baseball fever the past two months. I have. It, it's it's part of the fun. Usually it starts a little bit earlier if the Chiefs have lost in the playoffs. As we start looking to Fan Fest. I've, I always consider Fan Fest kind of the kickoff to the season. This year it didn't feel like that. Because we, we were talking Chiefs down at Fan Fest. And the Royals were talking Chiefs. I mean, bros and plays wanted to talk about Chiefs. Whit Merrifield went to the game. Alex Gordon went to the game. Salvador Perez had watch parties. They were all into the Kansas City Chiefs, and I'm actually looking forward to the season. And really, I've been talking about this 2018 draft class a lot. Which one are we going to see? It's about young pitchers. And the 2016 draft class, although he's just turning 21, is Khalil Lee. It's turning heads, and a lot of people talking about him. And Khalil Lee, he was rated as the fourth best prospect by the Royals. They redid it. MLB Pipeline did another um, top 30 for the Royals, and he was number nine because they added everybody in and even some international signings for the Kansas City Royals. But I'm really interested to see, can the hitters come Because we know the pitching's coming. Like, Dayton Moore, this is going to be the 2018 MLB draft. And they always say MLB draft is a crapshoot. Right, Kramer? It's a crapshoot on what you're going to get. I don't think that's much. Uh, no, it, it is. I mean, I mean, you can, yes. The draft yes. in baseball is because you, you can you're get talking the, two to three to four years waiting. Oh, yeah. And you can obviously get a guy that's in the like with round 35 and he could be there oh. in the next two years. Or you can have a guy like Nick Prado that was great. And then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, what happened to him? MJ Melendez? Yeah, less of 200 last true. year. It can happen where you got, you know, guys aren't ready. You know, teams know when guys are ready to the make it to the major leagues or not. And I just think that there, there's so much development. Remember Silly Matias? That destroyed everything with over 30 home runs a couple years ago. Where's he at and now? And he took a step back last year. I mean, th- these are things that happen. The good news is these pitchers keep going through the system. The Royals' two top 100 guys and Daniel Lynch and Brady Singer. Things are changing uh, for this team where eventually you're going to start seeing these guys up here. And Vern has a, a slogan every year for the Royals. And this year was the, the lifeboat. And we've talked to Vern about that. I, I, I'm almost want to say the 2000, this is about the 2018 draft class. Think about here, Here's the top um, six picks for the Royals. Singer, Coar, Lynch, Bubik, Bubich, and Jonathan Bolin, Kyle Isbell, the hitter. All the top five are pitchers. Boom, 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 boom. College pitchers. And Lynch and Coar were drafted 33 and 40, 34 because of the loss of Kane and Hosmer. That's nailing it. Well, it looks like these are all six guys – you might see with the Royals, they, they will play this year or 2000. I think Singer, Coar, Lynch, Bowie plays this year for the Royals at some point with injuries, whatever they get called up, maybe a spot start. Bolin and Isbell might take yet another year of development, but you'll see all the, all six of these guys will play for the Royals. The first six picks in that year's draft. Which Unbelievable I, draft. Which I can't wait for because I, I think it's time. It's time. Well, you, you're going to start to see him. And the whole Brady Singer thing, you know, 
Florida pitcher. You know, these college pitchers are making more and more major league teams are going the college pitching route more than ever because he's got just like the Royals. They got Finnegan pitched in the College World Series and the World Series the same year. It can't happen with certain guys. Which is smart that way because they're almost at that level to being ready. All they have to do is just adjust a few things. I mean, hit the minors for a month and they're ready. I mean, you look at that, you look at that pick with Finnegan. That was Dayton Moore not looking at the long haul. He was like, this guy can help me now. Like, I forget about free agents. This guy can help me now. Which was perfect. It was. It worked and, out perfect for him. And then you move on from him. You don't you don't sink or swim with them. You move on. And it, it was a great move when you go back and think about it. But J.J. Piccolo, assistant general manager for the Royals. This guy will be a GM in baseball at some point. The Royals are lucky to have him still here. It was on with Cody and Gold this week. And he was talking about a guy that uh, we should be paying attention to and a lot of attention. His name is 21-year-old Khalil Lee. Yeah, they, they, you know, really, I think, a, or we all think, a telltale sign of a good hitter is when they jump from one level to the next, you expect a little bit of a regression, and then they catch up to the league. Um, but in Khalil's case, you know, he did get promoted to double-A in 2018, but he got injured in August and missed the month of August. So really, 2020 was his first true go-around uh, in double-A. But if you look at his numbers in Wilmington the previous year to double-A in 2019, there was no regression. You know, they, his power numbers were the same, and his stolen bases really took a big jump. The only difference was he hit a few more ground balls. And, you know, for a guy that profiles in the middle of the lineup somewhere, you know, you don't want him hitting as many ground balls. So Alex Zumwalt, our director of hitting performance, Drew Saylor, our hitting coordinator, Keone Duran, our assistant hitting coordinator, you know, got to him in the fall. Um, Khalil's always in Arizona. I mean, he trains here year-round. Got to him. They were able to show him his data. They were able to show him some of his swings and his contact points, and Khalil's coachable. So, you know, he, he did get a little bit more aggressive last year So I, to the point that we don't have as many concerns with that. And now it's a matter of, okay, how do I drive balls more consistently? Because he's got a very high ceiling. Um, and so far in spring training, his BPs have been excellent. Of course, they're, you know, he's close to a major league hitter right now. They're professional hitters. Their batting practices tend to look very good. Uh, but what does he do when he gets in the batter's box? And through our first you know, four or five games here, he's taken what he's done in his work into the into the games, and he's you know, driven some balls really well. Just missed hitting a game-winning homer opening day, first pitch in the ninth inning, and he flew out against the track. Uh, so he's doing it. So that, that's a great sign. It's a great sign of maturity. And the way Khalil works, you, you can't help but to be optimistic about what he'll do down the road. He's got a chance to be a special player. Man, they're, they're speaking highly of a guy that's 21 years old. Third-round pick was a high school um, outfielder. Out of, out of a high school in the state of Virginia. And look at these numbers. 2017 Lexington, Crane Dog. 237. This is when he really developed because he was in the rookie league the year before. 17 home runs, um, 20 stolen bases, 65 ribs. Then 2018, he played Advanced Carolina League and played some in double A. Hit 270 in Wilmington, 245. In double A. Again, you're going to hit some. That's the Texas League, especially, which is a hitter's league. But you get to a certain point, you get to acclimate yourself. Last year at Northwest Arkansas, 264, 53 stolen bases, strikeouts were high, 154. 
Eight home runs, 51 RBI. Um, Did you say 53 stolen bases? 53 stolen bases, which would have led Major League Baseball by, uh, what, 10? Yes. Or, or, or eight? Didn't Malik Smith have, what, 45 to lead Major League Baseball last year? It might year? have been 45, 46. Mondesi was, what, two behind? And he, he, he played, played like half the season, yeah. Games. Mondi is 65 still. Mondi, to me, is the most talent. If he can put it all together, he needs a healthy year like Slayer put together. He needs that healthy year. But Rusty Koontz uh, was on Vern's Haas stove. He's back now. We all like Rusty. This is what he had to say about Cleo Lee. Well, you're, not gonna, you're probably not going to have to wait long before you can see him in royal blue for sure at the Kaufman, at the K anyway. But he's a guy that, I mean, whoa. Which two of you want to talk about? The 70 throwing arm. You know, he stole 53 bases last year, which was only like seven behind Nick Heath, who was his teammate in Northwest Arkansas. And Nick Heath led all of baseball with 60 stolen bases. And the guy that was second in all of baseball, I'm talking about big leagues and minor leagues, was Khalil Lee. He had 53 bags last year. And I'm not talking about a guy that's, you know, 6'1", 180 pounds. I'm talking about a guy that's like, and he goes to probably about 210, 215. I mean, he is built like a brick house. And the the power to all fields is off the charts. Uh, like I said, the defense, his, his ability to run down the ball in the outfield, can play all three, left, center, and right. And he did that in double A last year. He was on the all-star team, both, both uh, at the all-star break and the postseason. And the crazy thing about it, he played most of the year at Double A and did all of that, and he was 20 years old. Hmm. He finally turned 21, probably about two thirds of the way through the season. But here's a guy that's 21 years old at the end of the at, at the end of his Double A season, and there's not a thing he really sh- did not show uh, last year. He can run, he can throw, he can field, he can hit with power. You know, he's an RBI guy in the middle of the lineup uh, as he as he grows. Uh, probably he'll start, you know, if not in the big league, he'll start in AAA in Omaha. And like I said, you know, I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be shorter than, than later before you see him. At- I mean, there's the way Rusty's like, he'd be shorter rather than later. He had full interview on demand, 610sports.com, Vern's Hot Stove. Also on Vern's Hot Stove was Cleo Lee. The guy that Rusty Coons and J.J. Piccolo talked about when Vern asked him what he thinks about Rusty Coons saying it's not going to take long for you to get to the major leagues. Uh, that's, that's exciting. Um, you know, that's always good news to hear positive things from the uh, from the coaching staff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for, you know, what's to come here in the near future. And right now, just helping the team here in, in spring training and doing everything I can in spring training to, uh, you know, leave a good impression. You want to get ahead of the curve, get to Jersey now. Personally, I was ahead of the curve on Whit Merrifield. Back when we sit back to the minor, I was on the Whit Merrifield bandwagon. This guy only led the league in hits the last two years. Get on the Clear League bandwagon. This kid's 21. He's special. I cannot wait uh, to see some Clear. 53 stolen bases. His teammate, Nick, Nick Heath, who's a minor leaguer for the Royals, and you wonder, might wonder why he's not in the top 30. Well, he's 26, but he stole 60 bases last year. 60, let all of Major League Baseball. And he's coming in with 53. Speed, power, this guy can do it all. 
Can't wait to see some clearly real quick. Cause we're going to, we only have a show to 1130 today because Kansas state basketball sunflower throwdown. That's right. Little fight. Last time they played sunflower showdown today, pregame starting at 1130 right here on 610 sports radio real quick. Crazy Ray. What's up? I'm excited for our Royals. I got uh, I got the Jorge Soler, Whit Merrifield, Montesi, Salvador Perez coming back. I think uh, we're going to have a wonderful team. Turning Bernal Hearn, Montesi, uh, you know, that's exactly exciting. Somebody can run, you know. What's that other guy that played first base uh, and second? Uh, he he was uh he was I forgot that, that he made his debut last year and he was really good. My dad likes him. Are you talking but about Ryan O'Hearn? No, no, he's that a, was two years ago. He's a young McBroom. I think that's him. But there was not Broom. There was another guy, and that he was really damn it, Ray. I, I can't deal with you today. I don't know what you're talking about. Seriously, I'm not gonna play guessing. We need to take a timeout anyway. We come back. We got the XFL this weekend. Plus, welcome back to leadoff Jay Binkley with Kramer. Only going for a little while longer than the Sunflower Showdown right here on 610 Sports Radio. That music is absolutely terrible, Kramer. I could change this for you. I, I'm supposed to bring the energy up here. I mean, I, I need, you know, something. Yes, much better. What the hell was Ray talking about? First base, Lucas Duda, who's here for a cup of coffee. <laughs> Duda. Frank Schwindel <laughs> that came up here. We talked. Who's good that your dad liked, Ray? Is that last year? It's between McBroom and, and, and O'Hearn. I don't know what uh, Ray's doing. Jeff Okuda was asked at the combine. He's a cornerback from Ohio State. He was asked by John Gruden if he's pl- from planet Earth. I will pose that question to Ray. The Caramello Bar, as I uh, Kramer and I do deep research on uh, candy bars, both old school and relatively new, we're staying away from the Three Musketeers, the Milky Ways, the Snickers, the Reese's, the new stuff you will see when you go to grocery stores or gas stations, even though some of these uh, candy bars have made it through the, through time. Yeah, especially the Mallow Cup. Or the whatchamacallit. The Mallow Cup is a little more difficult to find. You have to go to the Cracker Barrels or Vintage Candies for that. You have to eat the old ones, too. Speaking of that, I bought uh, Mallow Cups that were a year old last Saturday. That's I believe we had year, year old Mallow Cups. Uh, Maybe we survived. Yeah, we did. Again, I think we're fine. I, we didn't get sick, and I was waiting to let you eat it first. Uh, and then I t- tried it. But the uh, Caramello, we, we've ranked these things. What do we have to, like 10 candy bars This is now? our 10th candy bar. Because we've had Payday, Score, Heath, whatchamacallit, Zero Bar from 1920. Mallow Cups, we've done them all. Uh, what else did we do? Oh, the Fifth, we did the, the uh, Fifth Avenue. Fifth Avenue, we've done. Which I really liked. Did you say score? Score. Mr. I, Good Bar. Mr. Good Bar. The, With the 100 grand. The Andes Bar. The Andes Mint Bar. Ugh. I like that one, actually. It was, it was gross. This one, originally 1936, it was under kind of different stuff. Um, Caramelk or something like that. But the Caramello actually... Came out. It was real popular in the 80s, so I figured that anything 80s would uh, stump Kramer. If anything's popular uh, beyond uh, 2005 or earlier in 2005, Kramer just does not care. But I will say this. Kellen Moore's the best college quarterback of all time. This candy bar might be at number two, to be honest. I'll put it at number two. I thought it was that good. Yeah, this candy bar's good, but it, I don't think it's better than the payday or scores. So I got it at three. This is a good candy bar, though. 
Is that right, though? That moved the needle. Oh, yeah. Would you draft in the third round? I'd draft this one late second. Late second? Late second. If it's there still. Hmm. And this is a good candy bar. I liked it, too. The XFL's on all weekend. Uh, Kramer, I'll be uh, watching it. Uh, I'm sure you will be as well. Uh, you know, people were saying this could be the challenging week for the XFL because of the combine on. And people were saying because of the beginning of MLS, MLS is not going to swing the needle one way or the other, to be honest. So I saw this article on like Yahoo or something like that. I forgot what it was, and I hate to discredit them, but that is not going to matter whatsoever. Last week, the XFL even outdrew Kansas and Baylor. It's still being watched. But, of course, the numbers are going down, but it's not going down by much. No, it, it's really not. And I think it's fine, and I think the, the, the further we go, the combine, it might take some viewers away from it. But, again, one thing about the XFL is it's over-the-air television. And the NFL Network, you need cable for, which, you know, the football fans in us, Venice have. But uh, any thoughts on this weekend's game, starting with the Wildcats and the Guardians? I was shocked. The Wildcats destroyed the D.C. defenders. I went 3-1 and one last week. That's the one I lost. Rocco lost this one, too. 39-9. Undefeated team losing, See, beating a, a team that hadn't won yet in the Wildcats. I had L.A. beating the defenders. So it, No. Yes, I did. I, I, we, we, I went you out do on the a podcast. Limb. Oh, yeah. You got to listen to the podcast. I, I usually do. And I, I'm actually not that bad at picking these games. But I, I think L.A. is going to beat New York. Really? New York's not good. They don't have a quarterback. Matt McGloin, there's a reason why he's not in the NFL anymore. There's a reason why he's going to be probably kicked out of the XFL at some point. Got to put Luis Perez back there. Guy who played in the AAF. He was a D2 college quarterback in Texas. Come on now. You got Luis Perez, you got you to gotta have a good showing. Battle Hawks facing the Dragons. I know which direction you're going to go. Oh, St. Louis, baby. Kramer's a, a battle. Houston and Dallas. I think this is the best game in the XFL this weekend. Undefeated Houston. At 2-1 Dallas, that's a much better team and different team since Landry Jones did not play in week one, but has been playing since. Yeah, and this is going to be a game that people may think Houston's going to come in and win. Dallas has this one. The Battle of Texas, the Renegades are going to win it. Thank you. That's where I'm going to. D.C. at Vipers, I'm going D.C. on this one. I'm going D.C. as well. They they can't lose two times in a row. Good stuff, Kramer. Rock and I are doing a challenge, by the way. Oh, you are? Yeah, Rocco's been with me a lot on Friday nights, and... We're kind of keeping track of it as we go. He's got me by one game. Well, I hope uh, you can somehow make it back. He's got my one game. I enjoy it. I'll you be, you uh, need some tips. Let me I'll know. I'll be flipping back between this and the combine. Speaking of the combine, on uh, one to – no, no, it's three, three to ten tonight. Still the same as it was. Tomorrow, one to six in the afternoon for the combine as uh, linebackers get rolling today and defensive linemen. So, again, a big day for Chiefs fans to watch. Thanks to Kent Swanson that joined us from the Combine today as we talk Combine each and every day. I'll be back tomorrow, 10 to noon. Uh, Be looking for some Combine talk there too. Kramer, hope you enjoyed the candy bar. Thank you for producing the operation. I enjoy Saturdays with the Cream Dog. See you guys tomorrow. Don't forget Kansas State versus Kansas Sunflower Throwdown next.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 